All right, look at Romans chapter 1, verse 26, what it says there. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change a natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Tonight, what I want to talk about, I want to answer arguments against what we would call the reprobate doctrine. There's been, uh, there's been an attack against the reprobate doctrine. Now, this is something that has been taught in churches for years. A lot of big name preachers from the past have preached on this. Now, that doesn't prove that it's right. The fact that the big names preached on it. But, you know, the fact that uh, the people today, many of the preachers today who claim to be the ones carrying the torch for the big names, they're the ones that are fighting against this stuff. And that are, you know, and the big names don't prove anything. But when it comes to the reprobate doctrine, you know, we believe, you know, as did the previous generation of Baptist preachers, that a person can reach a point in their life where they've crossed the line that they can never come back from. You know, and it's not that they committed a specific sin that was too great. That's not what we're saying in this, but they've just rejected God one too many times. So in other words, God was trying to get these people saved. God was trying to, you know, draw them to salvation and they just kept saying no. They kept rejecting, they kept rejecting. And finally, it got to the point where God rejected them, where they became rejected. And we call these people reprobates and we say, that they cannot be saved. And so this doctrine, it's being abandoned today because of the fact that Romans 1 makes it very clear that one who's burning in their lust towards the same sex is one that God has given over to a reprobate mind. Now, for lack of a better term, that's pretty homophobic, isn't it? And everybody's scared of being homophobic today. And, you know, the Bible is just way too clear against homosexuality that, you know, Baptists, they can't get away with condoning that. But at the same time, you know, as far as saying, you know, that we hate them or we hate that sin, you know, they're not going to go as far as that. And we've even got people that are trying to find ways to, you know, uh, a lot of this younger group, they're trying to figure out what more ways that we can show the LGBT community the love of Jesus. Not understanding that according to Romans 1, they rejected the love of Jesus and that Jesus rejected them. And these people, they want to go after them and they want to find ways to bring them into the church. So they can witness to them. You know, they want to put a bunch of perverts and pedophiles around the kids in the church. Thankfully, you all don't have to worry about that. You know, we love children. Because we have a lot of love in this church, we're not going to let a bunch of freak shows come in here and, you know, put your kids in danger just so we don't look bad and don't look like mean people. We're not going to do that. And so, and as far as I know, we've only ever had one in here. And some of y'all remember who it is. And, you know, we weren't going to throw him out just because he looked like he might be one because he wasn't the flamboyant or as far he wasn't like the you know crazy color hair you know he was he dressed more like mr rogers if you remember but he he sent off the vibe the gate everybody's gaydar was going off and all i had to do was say one little thing against homos and he never came back and then i found out later i got positive confirmation that he was in fact one of them and so, uh, so, you know, so, you know, we're not going to throw somebody out just because our gaydar goes off, but we're going to keep a, we're going to keep a close eye on that person. But, you know, the, so, you know, the 
preaches, hey, they're getting scared of this. You know, they're so scared of, you know, looking bad. You know, they're so scared of offending that grandma in the church that gives all her money because she's got a homo kid because she did such a sorry job raising her kids and they did an even worse job in their kids and she's got that homo grandson. And they're so scared of that that they're just completely backing off on this. But I want to show you just a few things because I was, I was at a meeting just this year and somebody was criticizing a friend of mine who preaches that, you know, homos have crossed the line and can't be saved. And they were talking about how they didn't think he was saved because of that. Well, then at that very meeting we were at, this preacher gets up there and he refers to J. Harold Schmidt's famous message, God's Three Deadlines. And he mentioned the outline and one of the points he mentioned, I looked it up, it, his second point in his message is sinning away your day of grace. And he uses Proverbs 29.1. I heard a million messages preached about this growing up. He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Well, I was talking about him getting killed. Not necessarily. We all know there's no remedy for getting killed. Okay? But there are some, this is talking about just in your life. You can get to a point where you just, you messed up so bad, you're going to be destroyed and there's no fixing it. And that was one of the verses he used. Genesis 6, 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. Because I'm not always going to fight with you. I'm not going to keep striving with you. I'm not going to do this forever. That was one of the verses he used. He used John 12, 38. It says that, uh, that the saying of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed. Therefore, they could not believe because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. You see, what people do, you know, they'll take the verse, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you're saying that that doesn't apply to homos. Well, here's the thing. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But there are some people, God says, He's blinded their eyes and He's hardened their heart because He doesn't want them to see with their eyes. Otherwise, they're going to be converted. Otherwise, they would call on Him and then He would save them. And He doesn't want to. Oh, that's, you know, He wants to save everybody. He wanted to save everybody. He called on them. He, you know, drew them and they rejected and they rejected and they rejected. But then God finally said, I'm rejecting you now. I'm done. And you, I, it's all over the Bible where it teaches that. It's exactly what it was teaching in Romans chapter 1. John six forty four. You know, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up for the last day. So, you know, uh, if you look later, it says that he will draw men unto him. Yes, but it also teaches that he's not going to draw forever. That he's not going to fight with them forever. There can come a point where God says enough's enough. I'm done. And I believe every reprobate that's out there is somebody that God wanted to save. It's somebody that God drew. It's somebody that God, He wanted to save them. He died for their sins. But they rejected and God finally said enough's enough. And that right there, I don't know anything about J. Harold Schmidt except for that message that I have heard referred to thousands and thousands of times. And he was somebody that preached that you could sin away the day of grace. And you got preachers today, Johnny Nixon, Johnny born that way, Nixon. He was, I watched a video he did, you know, against this reprobate doctrine. He was talking about how that doctrine is straight out of hell. And he's like, that's just straight out of hell. And, 
you know, he'll say that because now the only people that are preaching against that are, you know, people like us. But, you know, he wouldn't say that J. Harold Schmidt's teaching was straight out of hail or that Jack Hiles preaching was straight out of hail. When did hail get hell get two syllables? You know, I guess this is a southern thing. But Jack Hiles, he said in one of his messages, there is a line drawn over which you cannot get saved. If you think you can just wait until you're on your deathbed to receive Christ, you've got another thing coming. He said he didn't know where that line is. And you know what? I don't know where that line is either. I don't know where the line is. And I don't know for sure when the person crosses it. Okay? I can't tell you. I can't watch a person in their life and say, boom, right there's where they cross the line. Or tell you, this is where, you know, this is when you cross the line. I can't do that for sure. But I do know for a fact based on Romans chapter 1, that when a man is burning in his lust towards another man, that he's crossed that line. What point did he cross that line in his life? I don't know. But I do know when he's there, he did cross the line because the Bible teaches that God gave them up or He gave them over to vile affections and burning in your lust towards another man when you're a man or vice versa with a woman, that is not natural. That is not of the flesh. And it is also physically destructive behavior. And it's something that God does to someone because of the fact that they rejected Him. And that's clearly what the Bible teaches. It's what the old timers taught. But today it's being forgotten because we're just, we're scared of the backlash that we're going to get from the world. And so I want to be clear. I don't believe that every person who identifies as LGBT is reprobate. Yet. Okay? Because for many of these people, they're very young. They've got an agenda being shoved down their throats in the public school. You know, and they, and calling yourself an LGBT, whatever, it's kind of a defense mechanism, I think, for a lot of people. And I, you know, this might sound mean, but it's just true. But, you know, if you are someone who's less than desirable to the opposite sex, you know, you don't fit the mold that, you know, the world and Hollywood's put out there, you know, you're just, you know, it's just a lot easier to say, I'm a lesbian, than I'm ugly and guys just don't like me. You know, nobody wants to say that, but you know, what is it that most of them have in common? All right, you know, <laughs> no guy wants them. And it's not because they were born, you know, it's just, we live in a society today where people just don't take real good care of themselves, you know, and, you know, I'm sorry, when you're shaving the sides of your head and you're giving yourself a flat top or something like that and you're a girl, not too many guys are going to be wanting to look at you. It's just, it's just the way it is. You know, when you dress like a man, when you talk like a man, you know, you're not going to have a lot of guys interested in you, but it's just easier for them to say, well, they just don't like me because they're homophobic because I'm a lesbian or whatever. And that's just, that's just not the case. You know, many of these, many of these people too, though, they're victims of abuse. A lot of these people are messed up because they've been sexually abused in their life. And now, especially with females, and they have this, you know, it, their mind got twisted from what was done to them. They now hate men because they had some dirty, nasty pervert, maybe a family member that messed with them. And now they're just, you know, their minds are twisted. I believe those people could be saved. I really do, but at the same time, if they don't, if they, if they're not careful, they are on the road to reprobation once they start down that lifestyle. For because for many people too in that LGBT community or people who identify with that, they're not burning in their lust. They're just doing something that they think is cool. 
You know, they're maybe because of the fact that they're a girl and they're just kind of a butch and just kind of, you know, tomboy or whatever. They got everybody telling them that they're a lesbian. And so they do. They think, okay, fine, I'm a lesbian, whatever. But the thing is, a lot of these people, once they start going down that road and they find out what's actually involved and maybe even experiment with some of that stuff, they don't like it. Okay? Because it is. It's sick. It's disgusting. But that person that likes it, that person that enjoys it, there's something seriously wrong. And so there, I think there's a lot of young people that, you know, clearly uh, just don't know any better yet. Some of these people, you know, they are, they're going to eventually experiment with homosexual behavior and, I, and they're going to be repulsed by it. And you know what? The blood of Christ cleanses from all sins. They can be forgiven of that sin. You know, they are going to do it. They're going to feel guilty. They're going to be disgusted with themselves. And if they will call on the Lord, He will forgive them of that sin. They're not burning in their lust towards the same sex. So, so if I go out door knocking, if I'm out witnessing and somebody tells me they're a homo, I'm still going to give them the gospel. Because I don't know for sure if they've crossed that line and I'm not going to ask a lot of details about where they're at and how they feel about stuff. I'm just not going to do it. And there was two times this year, two times this year, I knocked on doors of people where my gaydar went off. One time it was a female and... I was pretty sure. And, and she was Mexican. And then all of a sudden these little kids come up and they're like white, blonde hair, blue eyed kids. And she was kind of acting like their mom, but clearly was not biologically related. And I gave her the gospel. And you know what was funny is she was polite. She listened. She said she understood it, but she did not want to call on the Lord. And then all of a sudden, those kids' mom showed up. She comes to the door. And then it was real clear. Yeah, that was exactly what I thought. And the thing is, you know, yeah, she said she got it, but you know what? She wouldn't call on the Lord. You know why? There was nothing drawing her. She understood what I was saying mentally, but there was nothing drawing her. There was no Holy Spirit working there. I had the same thing too. There was a guy. He came and he, he wasn't like the homos you see on TV. He was one of these, you know, middle-aged, just gross, disgusting, you know, child molester types. And I gave him the gospel and he understood it. He said he got it. He understand what I was saying, but he didn't want to call on the Lord either. And then all of a sudden, another guy comes to the door that was even bigger, nastier, more disgusting. And I was, yeah, it was exactly what I thought. And you know what's interesting with those people too? They were being nice to me when I talked to them. See, you know, homos, they're nice people. But have you ever seen these same people when they're having their protests and when they're protesting churches how just vile and disgusting they act. You know why? Because the reason they're nice to you when you're one-on-one and disgusting in a group and horrible and vile in a group is because they're dogs. The Bible calls them dogs. Okay? And when the Bible's talking about dogs, it's not talking about your cute little puppy that you know was bred to be some cute little affectionate thing. Okay? It's talking about like that dirty, nasty coyote that's out there eating you know dead animals and things like that. And you know, a coyote... It will be scared. It will run away from you. It will not do anything to you when it's by itself. But what happens when they get in a pack? That's when they get violent. That's when they get nasty. That's when you see their true nature and what they really want to do. So don't be fooled by that homo that's nice and polite to you in person that will even listen to what you have to say and even maybe even say things, you know, how you feel about homosexuality. They'll be nice to you to your face, but when you get them in a pack, what, what do they do? They act like a bunch of wild dogs. And it's because they are. It's, it's, that's what the Bible calls them. 
And so, you know, I get, we give these people the gospel just because we, I don't know for sure when they've crossed the line. You know, we'll knock on the door that has the rainbow flag because that might be just some sympathizer in there. I don't know their reprobate yet. You know, I want to skip those houses sometimes, but uh, at the same time, we don't. And, uh, you know, but we do, one thing I do know, the Bible's clear. When you're burning in your lust towards the opposite sex, you have crossed the line. They're, and these people, their minds have been warped, you know, just from stuff and from perversion. And if they were to call on the Lord, they would be saved. But they're not going to because the Holy Spirit's not going to draw them. God has rejected them. He has given them over to that reprobate mind. And so they never will. And so, you know, you say, why doesn't God judge them right now? Okay, I mean, if they're already done for, why doesn't God judge them right now? And I believe it's because their disgusting existence is supposed to be a warning to all of us who may be tempted to reject God. We're supposed to see that life. We should look at those, you know, I, I don't think you ought to go watch the gay pride parades, okay? But if you do watch a gay pride parade and you see the disgusting stuff that goes on there, when you see all the cross-dressing, what that's supposed to do to us, that's supposed to disgust us and scare us and say, you know what, I don't want to reject God. And that should be a warning when you see those two guys out in public holding hands or whatever, that ought to be something to point your kids and that's why you don't reject God. Because you'll be like that. But unfortunately, we're not repulsed by that because it's been made to look good through Hollywood and the news media. We're being told, we're being brainwashed in our schools that that's normal, that there's nothing wrong with that. But that is supposed to be a warning to us. That's supposed to be a warning to all who would reject God that be careful because rejecting God will lead to some horrible places. And right there is it. How would you like to be a woman and get stuck me and married to Rosie O'Donnell? That could be you if you reject God. That should be a warning to everybody. Rosie O'Donnell should be somebody that we hold up and lift up and say, don't reject God, women. Is this what you want to live with? You know, boys, don't reject God. You want to turn into a Michael Jackson and look like that freak and live like something like that? But that's why God doesn't kill them. They're a warning to all of us. But people are so stupid today. They're not affected by that because they, they're constantly being told that's normal, that's normal, that's fine, that's wonderful. No, we ought to be disgusted. You ought to want to vomit. You ought to want to puke. It ought to make you sick. And so, you know, these people who fall for it, these things, they're without excuse because before a person can get to that point where they enjoy the homosexual lifestyle, you have to reject nature itself. And the God who created nature it says that which is against nature. Nature proves it's wrong. And the problem we have today, preachers have become cowards you know, they're just, they're terrified of the news media and they're even more terrified of scaring Mr. Moneybags out of his church. That's what they're afraid of. Well, the Lord's blessed us here. We don't have any millionaires. We don't have any really rich people in this church. So I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> and, but, well, you're going to keep them all from coming here. Well, you know what? I don't want them coming here if it's going to handicap me and keep me from being able to preach the truth. I have too much fun preaching the truth and I want to keep on doing that. But it, it's caused men to soften up their stance on this issue and they feel that they will be above reproach if they preach against the sin while talking about how much they love the sinner. But that will never work because these people, they're never going to stop until they're in all our churches with all the same rights and privileges of normal people. They want to be able to get married here. They want to be able to join here. They want to be able to get up and preach behind the pulpit, sing songs at church. We're not going to let them do that. 
And so, and these other churches, they're not planning on letting them do that. But you know what? You give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And these people, they need church. They need to start just, you know, standing up for truth and just not backing down. And thank God, some are, but a lot of people are going soft in this. So, some arguments against the reprobate doctrine. These, you know, because what people will do because they're terrified of the truth of this, you know, they find ways to get tricky with the scriptures to show that that's false and that's not something we need to teach. And one of the things that you know, Johnny Nixon in his argument against the reprobate doctrine is he said that you know he said we're using bad eisegesis and improper hermeneutics. Well, there we go. Let's use some big words, you know, and impress people. Make yourself look like you're just smarter than the rest of us. But eisegesis it just means the interpretation of a text, you know, as of the Bible by reading into it one's own ideas. He's basically saying when we read Romans one, we're getting what we want from it. How are we reading into that? Isn't it really clear? I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, it says in there, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. You know, they, you know, it's, it's very clear. I don't even know what to do with that because Romans 1 is so clear that, you know, I, I don't know how you come to any other conclusion other than what we are talking about. They're the one that are using, you know, uh, you know, that are using improper hermeneutics. And I'm going to show you too a little bit. He like literally changes the definition of reprobate. It's so obvious what he does. I'll get to that in a little bit. But, you know, first of all, you know, we need to understand, too, when it comes to reprobates, not all reprobates are homos. Okay? Not, all, not all reprobates are homos. Notice what it says in verse 24 of chapter 1. It says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. You see, not everybody struggles with the same sins. Not everyone has the same problems. Everybody's got their areas that they struggle with. Some people struggle more in lust with lust than other people do. But understand that a reprobate is somebody that they have, you know, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. And so there are people who are not homos that are reprobate. There are people that have crossed the line. They've rejected God one too many times and there's no coming back. But those who are given over, they're people who are filled, the Bible says, with all unrighteousness. In other words, those who give themselves over to whatever the flesh desires, God will give them over to the things that their flesh would not desire. See, look at verse 28. It says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, and it's naming off all these sins. Okay? It's saying these people, they were filled with all these things. In other words, they gave their life was all about just giving themselves whatever they want. Do you realize that there's a lot of lost people that don't do that? You know, there's a lot of lost people that have morals. There's a lot of lost people that have some character, that have some restraint in their life. There are lost people that are married to their, a lot. There's lost men. They're married to their wives. And you know what? They have maybe temptations to commit adultery. And you know what? They don't do it because they love their wives. They actually have some morals. They're not saved, but they're not doing everything they feel like doing. There's, there's lost people that you could trust. They wouldn't try to steal from you. Our neighbors, I don't think our, I don't know if our neighbors are saved or not, but you know what? We, I'm not worried about them coming to rob my house. And still, we leave our doors unlocked most of the time. 
You know, they, they seem like nice, good, moral people. Doesn't mean they're saved, but you know what? They're not just going to do whatever they feel like doing. They have some morals. They're decent people. I work with people that are not lost. They do not claim to be Christians, but they are decent, moral people. They don't just do whatever they feel like doing. But you know what? There's other people that I know, people that I work with, that they do just whatever their stinking flesh desires. And it's different for everybody. Some people are just stinking lazy. They're just lazy and good for nothing. Watch TV, you know, just play video games. They watch the dirtiest, nastiest filth. I mean, they're watching pornography. There's, there's lost people that won't watch pornography. But there's other people out there. They just they say yes to whatever their flesh desires. They're filled with all unrighteousness. Whatever they feel like doing, they're going to do. And it's not going to be the same for everyone. Okay, if I just did whatever I wanted and Brother Mark does whatever he wants, those things aren't going to be the same things. They're all going to be sin, but they're not going to be the same sins. We all have different desires. And so, you know, while everyone has committed one of these sins in verses 29 through 31, most people try not to do them, even lost people, but not the person that's given over to the reprobate mind. They're doing whatever they feel like doing. And that's why you need to teach your kids some discipline. You got a lot of kids today. They don't go to school when they don't feel like it. Their parents don't make them have any character. They sleep in all day. They watch TV all night. They play video games all day and all night. And parents just give them whatever they want. They let them stuff their little fat faces with whatever they want. And they wonder why their kids turn into reprobates later. They've been always given everything their flesh desires. Sometimes you need to tell your kids no. Sometimes you need to make your kids drink water instead of soda and make them eat a carrot or something like that instead of a candy bar. Why? You're just trying to teach them character. Trying to teach them discipline. You need to make them go to bed early. You need to make them get up early. Otherwise, they're going to get used to just giving their flesh whatever they desire. And who knows? They might be one who's inclined to go that way of homo. And none of us want that for our kids. But either way, you can go reprobate without becoming a pervert. If you just or somebody gives you... I can't imagine my flesh ever wanting that. But you know what? Thankfully, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about this. But at the same time, you could be the most homophobic, heterosexual person in the world. But if you are given over to a reprobate mind, then God's going to give you over to things that are not convenient. Things that your flesh would not desire. You're going to be given over to those things. And so there are certain things that all sinful flesh desire. But there are some things that even sinful flesh is repulsed by. And yet there are those things, there are those who are not repulsed by those. Why is that? They are reprobate. There are some things in here that, I mean, it would, it would, it would disgust most of us if we were to see them or even think about doing them, but other people are fine with it. There are some things that, you know, I think there's, we got reprobate eaters in here, you know, people that are eating cheeseburgers and things like that. Like, what is wrong with you people? You know, and, you know, some of the stuff that my wife likes, you know, it just, you know, mayonnaise. You know, what, what is wrong with your mind, people? Why would you put that? When people, I, I just want to vomit when I see people mix mayonnaise and ketchup on their sandwich. That's absolutely disgusting. I can't even imagine what that tastes like. I'm disgusted by that. I don't know if there's a reprobation in there at all, but I think so. If I was going to punish somebody, I would give them over to eating that kind of trash because that's just disgusting. I hope y'all, I'm not insulting everybody. I'm kind of joking. But, no, there are things, though, that just normal people, they're repulsed by... And in Galatians 5.19, it 
It says, Now the works of the man of flesh are these, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The works of the flesh. Notice how homosexuality is not mentioned in there. Why is that? Because that is not something, that is not a normal lust of the flesh. But these other things are. They are all sins. They are all wicked. But every one of us in here, we might have the temptation to do some of these things. But we're not going to have the temptation to be a homo. That is not a work of the flesh. That is, un, that is completely unnatural. Because we have a fallen nature, we have an inclination to go towards those works of the flesh that are mentioned there in Galatians 5. But there things like homosexuality, we don't have a natural inclination for that. We are naturally sickened by that. And so, the, per, the people who are attracted to that, these are people that God has given over to a reprobate mind. When you're burning towards that. And so, understand, if you, but if you give yourself over to the things of the flesh... If you give yourself over to fornication, if you are filled with all those things that are mentioned there, just giving your body whatever it wants, constantly rejecting God, God's going to say, you know what? I've had enough of this. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to want things that nobody should ever want. You're going to be one, you know, being a homo. You're going to be the one eating mayonnaise and ketchup mixed together and things like that. <laughs> things like that because that is just that is just sick. So Nixon, he tried to spin Romans one by saying that worshiping an idol is as bad as sexual perversion. Well, he got all excited when he read that because it talks about uh, in verse twenty three. It says, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God in an image made like to corruptible man and the birds and four footed beasts and creeping things. And he starts talking about there, like, you know, idolatry, you know, it's just as bad, you know, sexual perversion. You know, he's, he's getting all excited about it. These people are all, it, it's amazing how just bad they want the homos. It's just, it's so weird. It creeps me out. And he creeps me out. But this is foolish because idolatry is one of the works of the flesh that Galatians mentions. We're naturally idolatrous. How do we know that? Every culture in the world has always struggled with idolatry and went towards that. They've wanted to worship something. Man has always known that there is a God. It's just obvious. These things are known from creation. But what have most men done? What have most cultures done? They have naturally gone to the work of their own hands. Idols. Things that they made. You know, and so, understand that that's just another work of the flesh. That is not an unnatural thing. Like homosexuality. So that's just a bad argument. And, you know, and giving, it's giving yourself over to the things of the flesh that causes God to give you over to vile affections. And that's just right there, I mean, just reading the text. Not reading anything into it. Not adding anything. You, these guys are the ones adding stuff. And we'll, see, and we'll see that here in a little bit. But the one of the, so one of the other arguments they'll use is, we're to preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. He gives every creature. And it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, that's absolutely true. But if these people are rejecting God, then doesn't that mean somebody's preached to them before? Don't we see later 
that, you know, how should they call on him in whom they have not believed? How should they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how should they hear without a preacher? If these people are rejecting God, it means somebody was preaching the gospel to every creature. They did get the message. And you know what they did? They rejected it. And they rejected it one too many times. And so God rejected them. And they act like we're the ones not preaching the gospel to every creature. No. Obviously, one of us did preach the gospel to them. They did hear the gospel. And they rejected it. And so God rejected them. And that's... If you read, just read Romans chapter 1. It's talking about... It's verse 16 comes before the part about the reprobate. Just showing. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. We're preaching. But you know what? Not everybody's going to get saved. Not everybody's going to accept it. Some people are going to reject it. And some people are going to reject it to the point where God's going to say, I'm rejecting you. And here's the evidence of some of those that God has rejected. They're given over to vile affections. These people, they need to learn to start reading whole passages and putting it all in context together instead of just taking one verse and just running with it and repeating it over and over again. Every creature. Every creature, like he, like he kept saying. And it's just... That's bad hermeneutics right there. That's, that's just, it's, it's dishonest. And so people, they're confused by this because they think that homosexuality is something they're born with. No, there's like, you know, they teach you shit and preach the gospel to homosexuals. No, we're teaching, we already did preach the gospel and they rejected it. They already heard it. You know, they weren't born that way. They weren't, they were not born that way. If they, if they became that way, it's because they got rejected. And God didn't reject them first. They rejected Him first. And so God rejected them. Therefore, if they would have believed, they would have gotten saved. But they didn't. They rejected to the point that God rejected them. You see how consistent all this is on our side. And so no matter how queer someone looks, I'm going to give them the gospel because while they might be on the road to reprobation, you know, they might not be there yet. And so... You know, they might just be someone who's normal for the most part, but maybe they just watch too much Disney Channel. You know, maybe they're just, you know, way too caught up in pop culture. And our culture is as queer as all get out. And there's, there's no doubt about that. And so I'm, I'm going to preach to them. I might be holding back vomit, you know, with some of these people. I'm, I'm going to give them a chance because I don't know where they're at. And not everybody might agree with me on that, but that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to be surprised when they don't get saved. Well, what are you going to do if they do get saved? Well, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. It's like asking me, what am I going to do when pigs fly? All right? I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Until then, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. But another argument they use is we were all reprobate before we got saved. Now, I've heard the Calvinists say this before, but I never heard the mainstream Baptists say this before until I was watching his video on this. But Romans chapter 2, if you keep going, Romans chapter 2, look what it says. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, Whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou that judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest do the same thing. Oh, really? I've been being a homo? I've been, I've been doing those things? Is that what that's saying? Once again, this is the same thing. Romans chapter 2 is the chapter 2 that Bill Grady did his thing on, where he just, I mean, just took a line and just ran with it and butchered it. And that, uh, people do this with Romans all the time. Romans is, is the most mistaught, misinterpreted book in all the Bible. But the modern dictionary definition of reprobate, the modern dictionary definition is a person rejected by God and beyond hope of salvation. That's what the modern dictionary says. 
about reprobate. Nixon says reprobate also means condemned. Now, I looked up the Webster's 1828 dictionary. I looked at the Greek dictionary. I didn't see the word condemned in any of those dictionaries. But he kept saying we were all reprobate or condemned. We were all reprobate or condemned. He kept saying that or condemned. Wait, where did you get condemned from? If that's not in any dictionary, why are you using the word condemned? You know why? So he could go to John chapter 3. He that believeth not is condemned already. Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Well, that was all of us before we got saved. Before we got saved, we were all reprobate or condemned. Well, yeah, we were all condemned, but that's not reprobate. Those are two different words with two different meanings. But that's what he was doing. And this the video, he was like teaching some class, I think, for a Bible college or something. And I don't know what the Bible college was, but I really hope there's not a lot of people going to that. And I hope he got fired after that video because it was so obvious he's wrong. You're not allowed to just make up definitions for words. But he, I couldn't find any dictionary that taught condemned. And that's one, of the, that's one of the things a lot of preachers are doing today. They're updating dictionaries just to fit their doctrine. But that it, reprobate does not mean condemned. Okay? It, means, it means rejected. And so that's what he said. And so he's try, uh, they try to spin chapter 2 was where Paul is warning about how foolish it is to judge others you know, as proof that we're all reprobate. Paul's talking about it's foolish to judge others. That's what he was talking about there. But if you keep reading, it's crystal clear. God is showing that while they might not be as bad as some people, they're still transgressors of the law and need to be saved. It's like in this first part here, he's taught, it's like he's talking to Jews and they're thinking about the Gentiles and just how bad some of them were. And then he's showing them how, yeah, you know, they're really bad, but you know what? You're bad too. And in the end, you've all sinned and you've all come short of the glory of God. If you read all the chapters together, that's why in Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He starts out, you know, he's talking about reprobates. In chapter 2, he's kind of talking about those, you know, those Gentiles who did all these horrible, wicked sins that maybe the Jews had never gotten involved in, maybe things that they didn't do. But he's trying to show them, hey, be careful judging them because you know what? In the end, you're a sinner too and you come short of the glory of God. But he's not saying that they were all reprobate. That's not what he's that's not what he's teaching there at all. And it's like these people thought, you know, we're not reprobate. We're not the we're not homosexuals. Yeah, but you know what? You're all these other things and you come short of the glory of God, too. So just because somebody's not reprobate doesn't mean they don't need to get saved. There's a lot of people who aren't reprobate and they think they're good. And because they've not done a lot of the works of the flesh, they've not done the vile affections. And they think they're okay because of that. And what Paul's trying to teach them in Romans chapter 2 and 3 is that in the end, you've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so you all need to, you all need to be saved. And so they just take that one verse and try to spin that to say, no, you were, you were all one of those things. You know, you were all homosexual you know, before Christ. You know, no, we weren't. <laughs> no, no, thank God. Thank God we weren't. And so, um, you know, in America, you know, it would be like Americans saying that we're saved because we're not as bad as Russia or Japan. Okay, because he's talking to groups of people here. Okay, not just individuals. Okay, is America not better than a lot of other countries? Yeah, I think we are better than a lot of other countries. Maybe we're not supposed to think that, but I do. I think we're better than a lot of other countries. But does America not need to be saved? Do I think anybody's going to heaven because they're Americans? 
Do I think I'm going to heaven because I'm an American? Absolutely not. Because you know what? America's wicked too. And it would be foolish for us as Americans to, you know, that especially, you know, let's say a hundred years ago when we were more of a Christian nation, it would have been foolish for them back then to look at other countries and for people to think because we're Americans, we're on our way to heaven. Because you know what? While we might not be as bad and as reprobate as some of these other countries, we were still sinful and Americans need to be saved too. And I think that's the case too, even with our founding fathers. While they had a lot of Christianity in them, a lot of Christian culture in them, I believe many of our founding fathers were lost. I think guys like Thomas Jefferson was lost based on some of the things he taught, based on his Bible that he tried writing, you know, or his, his, or his version of the Bible or translation. I think guys like him was lost. But did, was there a lot of Christian stuff in his culture? Yes. But you know what? The guy was still a sinner and he needed to get saved and I don't think he did. And it's the case with a lot of our founding fathers. And that's what Paul's talking about here in Romans chapter 2. These people, are, they're taking it and they're just interpreting it how they want to. They're not looking at context. They're not looking at the whole passages. And it's just not right. I, I, need, I need to hurry along. So now look at Jeremiah chapter 6. They, I love when they bring this one up. I love when they bring up Jeremiah chapter 6 to prove the reprobate doctrine is false. And boy, oh boy, Nixon, man, you know, he was, he was as excited as a homo couple going into a homophobic bakery, you know, thinking I'm going to get to sue these people for not making me a cake like these people like to do because they're just such dirty, filthy animals that will never succeed in anything. They got to go find somebody to discriminate against them so they can sue them and actually get some money. That, that, and that's another subject for another. That stuff makes me sick. But reprobate silver shall men call them because the Lord hath rejected them. Right there. Right there, that proves what rep, reprobate means. It means rejected. They're going to call you reprobate silver because the Lord has rejected you. Oh, but folks, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading in, in Jeremiah chapter 7. Look what it says in verse 5. If ye truly amend your ways and your doings, if ye truly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fileless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after the other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place in the land I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Well, y'all see that? It's not too late for a reprobate. He's calling on them to repent. Y'all see that? That's why this reprobate doctrine straight out of hell. I love it. What do I tell you all the time? When they start shoving false doctrine down your throat, just keep reading. Just keep on reading. Because first of all, he said, reprobate silver, shall men call them? Were they? Is he saying, you are reprobate silver? He's saying, no, this is what you're going to be called. And so, in the next passage, he's calling on them to repent so they won't be called reprobate silver. Okay? But let's keep on reading. Because Jeremiah 7 is the best proof of the reprobate doctrine that there is. But people are just not capable of reading more than five verses at once. Look at verse 13. And now, because ye have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not, and I called you, but ye answered not. Therefore will I do unto this house, which is called by my name, wherein ye trust, and unto the place which I gave to your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh, and I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. Therefore, pray not for these, this people, neither lift up, cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. Y'all see that? I'm not going to hear them. 
I'm not going to, don't even pray for them. I won't hear you if you pray for them. Look at verse 25. Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt, unto this day I have even sent you unto all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them, yet they hearken not unto me. They're rejecting him. They keep rejecting God. Nor incline their ear, but harden their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken unto thee. Thou shalt also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is out of their out from their mouth. Cut off thine hair, O Jerusalem, and cast it away, and take up a lamentation on high places. For the Lord hath rejected and forsaken this generation of his wrath. You all see that right there? They didn't repent, and God said, You know what? They're not going to repent. And so you know what people ended up calling them? Reprobate silver. And that generation got rejected. That generation ended up getting taken captive. That generation reached a point where God said, it's too late, you can't repent, Babylon is coming, and you're going to be taken captive, and don't even bother praying about it. Don't even bother calling on me. Jeremiah, don't you even pray for these people. I'm not going to hear that prayer. Why? Because... They're reprobate. Jeremiah 6 and 7 proves the reprobate doctrine, but they all just want to read the first part of chapter 7 see God calling on them. You know, it's not too late. I mean, it's just the ignorance of these people. It's just in... And you know, it can't... It, they, I'm, nice, I'm a nice enough person. I don't think Johnny Nixon's that dumb. I don't. I just think he's that sneaky and would misuse the Scripture like that and not read the rest of the chapter. I think I think he's that sneaky. Anybody ever read a mess, write a messed up book like he did, teaching us to change, teach homos that they're eunuchs and have them work with kids in our church is somebody that we ought to run from. But real quickly, I got to do these ones. One big argument: First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine, and such and such and such were some of you. Famous camp meeting line right there. Such were some of you. First, he names off all these sins and says, and such were some of you. They love to bring that up. But once again, we're not going to take time to read it. They fail to look at context. Go and read it. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. He names off all these sins. And he says, and such were some of you. But Paul was teaching them not to go to lost people for judgment. That was what, that's what the context is. He's telling them in that passage not to go to the lost for judgment. He said, you're better off taking the least esteemed person in the church and having them make judgments in your disputes than lost people. You know why? Because the unrighteous are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And he names all these people who aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God. Lost people. And a whole bunch of sins are named in there. And you know what? Weren't we there at one time? Now, all those sins that are mentioned, there may be some that never committed those specific sins. And that's why he said, in such were some of you. Not How come he didn't say, in such were all of you? Because you know what? There are some things that maybe somebody who grew up in church and was taught the things of God from a young age, some of those sins that they may not have done. But at the same time, just because some of the, you know, abuses themselves with mankind around there, it doesn't necessarily... He's not saying that everybody had done those things. He is just saying... Some of you used to fit into some of those categories of people who are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And the truth is, why do we, why are we not those things today? If we've done those things in the past, why are we not one today? Well, it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because we turn from 
those sins. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I wish I had time to go more into that, but Paul, or our righteousness is not in our abstinence from certain sins, but it's in the blood of Christ. And that's another important lesson to remember. But he's just saying that some of you used to be in bad company. So why would we go to those people for judgment? That's what the context of that passage is. And people fail to look at that. And so, you know, and it said not, not everybody has done all of... There's some people that have not done any of those things. And that's why he didn't say, and such were all of you. No, you know that crowd. You know that unrighteous bunch. You used to run with them. Some of you got saved out of that mess. He's not saying you, you know, every one of you in here did every one of those things. No, he's just saying you used to be in that company of the unrighteous, of the fornicators. You used to be with them, so you ought to know better than to go to them for judgment. That's context. And such and such and such were some of you is a great camp meeting line that people like to use that gets the people all shouting and whooping and hollering. But you've got to look at context of things if you're going to interpret the Bible correctly. And so they met that, they, that argument completely fails. And then the last one, man, I got a lot more notes. I probably should have made this a two-week lesson. Jesus said if he would have been in Sodom, they would have repented. If he would have been in Sodom, they would have repented. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. When you've got that sweet southern voice like that, you know, you just know you can trust that guy, right? But, you know, look. Then began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe to thee, Chorazin. Woe to thee, Bethsaida. If the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it should be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And now Capernaum, which was exalted into heaven, should be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for these. So the big question here is, and this is real simple. Once again, I don't think he's dumb enough to miss this. I think he's just ignoring it and he's twisting it. The big question is not when does an individual go reprobate? Because it's clear in Genesis chapter 13, verse 13, it says the men of Sodom were exceeding sinful. Okay? There was already a lot of reprobates years before Sodom got destroyed. And he was having this debate with Bill McGregor over, you know, when it went bad and all that. And you know, I think there's some good arguments there. I, th- I think Bill McGregor made some good arguments there. But in the end, the, the, it's not about when it went bad. Because he was trying to say, well, you know, or Nixon was trying to say, well, you know, up until the point where God rained fire and brimstone, they could have repented. And, you know, McGregor, he brought up the fact that, you know what, Melchizedek, which many people believe was Jesus, you know, not many years before, was actually just outside Sodom. So Jesus was there and he didn't even bother going into Sodom and, you know, during that time, which I, which I thought was interesting. But you know what? As far as the timing of when they went reprobate, that's actually irrelevant to this whole argument because it's not talking about individuals. It's talking about a city. It's talking about a city. And God destroyed that city because it, it couldn't find ten righteous people. And therefore, God declared the city reprobate because there were not ten righteous people. Now, do I, I don't believe that everyone who lived in Sodom was a reprobate. Now, I, but I do believe, I do know that there weren't even ten saved people in Sodom. And think about, there's reprobates that live in Rock Falls, aren't there? But is everybody that's lost a reprobate in Rock Falls? No. 
We're getting people saved all the time. We're planning on getting a whole bunch of people saved this year. And, but at, at the same time, I, you know, when does, this, when does the city become reprobate? That's the question. And for Sodom, it, the city became reprobate when they couldn't find ten righteous people. So even if up to the day before, if Jesus would have went to Sodom, I believe it's very possible that many of the law, that the lost people would have gotten saved and then the city wouldn't have been reprobate, but the reprobates wouldn't have gotten saved. Okay? The city would have been saved. What does that mean? That means there would have been more than 10 righteous people in the city. It doesn't mean reprobates can get saved. In Matthew, he's not talking about individuals who are reprobate. He was talking about a city. And the city was reprobate. It was too far gone. And so, yeah, if Jesus would have went in there, I think there would have been some people that would have gotten saved and the city would have been spared. But none of those reprobates, none of those men that went after those angels would have gotten saved. And so that's the thing that that is another foolish argument they try to use to prove that a sodomite can be saved. That's not talking about an individual. It's talking about a city. And so, you know, the reprobates, they would not have repented, but the city would have. The city would have, I believe the city would have repented. And so, you know, no one starts out reprobate and neither did Sodom. It was a progression or a descent. Everybody likes to bring up Ezekiel 16, verse 49, where it talks about the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread. God hates pride. You know, they committed abominations was the last thing that God even mentioned. Well, it's not because God wasn't giving the order or the priority of what's the worst sin to the least sin. No, it was a progression of where they go. This is when you have a pride problem and the fullness of bread, you end up getting the abundance of idleness. You end up becoming haughty, committing iniquity, you know, and then committing abominations. It's a progression. And, you know, we had all these years of saying, I'm proud to be an American. And now what do we got going on in America? You know, we've got the fullness of bread in America. We've got the abundance of idleness in America. And you know what? We've got the abominations going all the time, too. It's a progression. And so when Sodom started out with the pride, they weren't reprobate yet. But after they got down to where they were committing those abominations, the city became reprobate. But I do believe that there were some people in that city that could have gotten saved. But you know what? We know Lot was a terrible witness. And so that city was not spared. And while there are reprobates in Rock Falls, I do not believe our town is reprobate. We have more than 10 righteous people in this town. There are many saved people in this town. And there's a lot of lost people. And we need to try to, we need to, try to reach those people. Because we don't want our town to go reprobate. Because that's possible. And Rock Falls, it's going to hell. But it's not reprobate. And not only is there a remnant of righteous people, but there are those who still have hope of salvation. And so I fully fully intend to continue giving the gospel to every creature, but I'm I'm not going to lie and say that it's never too late for some. The Bible teaches very clearly that there are reprobates. There is no hope for them. And understanding the truth of this, it ought to cause us to work harder trying to reach people with the gospel so we can get them before it's too late. Get them before they go reprobate. But in the end, we can't make anyone do anything, can we? You see, what we need to learn from Matthew is Lot was there. Even though that city was wicked, there were still people that could have gotten saved. But they didn't. Unfortunately, the vast majority, the majority of the city probably was reprobate. I mean, it talked about all the men of Sodom, you know, going after those angels. 
But, you know, I'm sure there were some kids. There was probably some young people. There might have been some poor ladies that were victims of abuse and stuff in that city that probably would have gotten saved if somebody would have witnessed to them. But, you know, and then other people can't figure this out. Oh, you know, they soul winning that was just for this dispensation. You know, they weren't supposed to. No, I think they were supposed to be telling people about God and teaching people about the things of God even back then. And so, you know, some, some people, though, they're always going to reject and they're going to become reprobate. And as a soul winner, I've got the responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature. But as a pastor of a church, as a father to children, I, I need to protect them from perverts. And so I'm going to preach them as much as I can out there, but I'm not letting them in here. That's just, that's just foolish right there. And so I, I, I know I covered some of those things kind of fast, but I hope that was a help. So some answers to the arguments against the reprobate doctrine. The Bible is very clear on what it teaches, and we don't need to fool ourselves by trying to just sound cute and sweet and loving and giving people a chance that God has rejected. That, that's a bunch of foolishness, and we, don't, we, we ought to reject that type of lifestyle and that type of behavior and those people. We ought to reject them. They're dangerous. And so I hope that was helpful. So let's all stand right now.